It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans on lovely St. Charles Avenue where the streetcar rattles by the Columns Hotel. That's where we are, 3811 St. Charles Avenue. The Columns Hotel is a fabulous place to come and have a drink. Or if you're coming to New Orleans to get a drink, it's a fabulous place to come and stay. My name is Grant Morris. Welcome to Happy Hour. Mitch Foreman is on the piano and my special guests this week are, in no particular order, Constantine Georges. Constantine, hello. I'm great. Constantine's going to share with us a very sad story of how he went from being a super important person to selling hot dogs on the street. It's a tragic and sad story, isn't it, Constantine? Well, it's not one I'm necessarily to write on my epitaph, but... (laughs) Well, just play along, because we want to keep people listening. Well, It's an awful sad, tragic story, isn't it? Well, you know, being a prosecutor has its sad moments, too. Oh, okay, we'll get to that. My other guests are Aura Fedora Shannon, the host of Backstage on the Bayou. Hello. Hello, Aura Fedora. You called Fedora because you're wearing a... Fedora. Thank you very much. And our other guests are A.F. the Naysayer, otherwise known as Amal, correct? That's correct. And Luke St. John. Now, Luke St. John, that's your actual real name. First real name. Your first name only. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's about who's sitting around here. We're going to find out something about that in just a moment as Mitch Foreman wraps it up and we say welcome to another hour of Happy Hour. That's about our best introduction ever, I think. Mitch, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? Beautifully played today, wasn't that, ladies and gentlemen? Don't you think? Whoa! Constantine's drink almost went over immediately. Very nice. (laughs) We're in a different location today. We were kicked out of a room where we normally record the show because apparently something to do with the owners, quote-unquote, of the Collins Hotel kicked us out. Can you believe that? Huh. Usurped by owners. You rebel. Yes, and the stock market went down like 500 points today, I think. Uh, Maybe they were in a hurry to go to the Maybe they know something, yeah. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. So Luke St. John, that's your whole first name, like my name is Grant. Yes, exactly. Well, what's wrong with your parents? <laughs> I mean, I guess they got, they got really creative. My father's middle name was Luke, yeah. and, and that was pretty much it. And your, just, your father's middle name was Luke? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, hmm. so why did they, where's the St. John come from? Uh, oh, my, my grandfather's middle name was St. John. Wow, lucky you didn't have many other relatives going back on the nah, line. You could have had a 15 <laughs> I know, name, I know. first name. What's your other you. name, Luke St. John who? McKnight. Luke St. John McKnight. And so my father not was... Not a superhero. No, I'm not a superhero. Not yet, anyway. My father, so my father was Micah Luke McKnight. And my, um, wow, and my, my mother's father was uh, Monroe St. John Stith. So How was it? What's the last word? Stith. S-T-I-T-H. Yes. Well, that's an interesting sort of... Where they all come from, all these? The Stiths and father, the McKnights and the... My father um, lived in Mississippi, but he's pretty much no bad. He's been all over and my uh, mother's father, my grandfather, he's from North Louisiana, Shreveport. Shreveport. Okay. Yeah. So basically from, from around here. In the exactly. South. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And now, Amal, you go by the name of A.F. the Naysayer. Uh, that's correct. There's two types of people in the world who are really annoying. One is a yes man who <laughs> says yes to everything, and the other is a person who says no to everything, which is a, a naysayer. Uh, yeah. Why that's... would you call yourself a naysayer? Um, Talking to the little okay. thing there. There we go. Uh, funny story. The naysayer comes from uh, uh, middle school. I was uh, trying to start a punk rock band, and we're going to be called the Naysayers. Okay. <laughs> so I just stuck with that. That is good for a punk band. Yeah. But yes. you're not a punk musician anymore. Oh, no, no, no. Those days are long gone. Uh, just um, hip-hop. <laughs> you're a hip-hop. Hip-hop. Naysayer. Like electronic music. So naysayer so. sounds sort of a lame for a hip-hop person, doesn't it? It's me. Hey, it is what it is. You know what I mean? It's my roots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my childhood, you know? That's true. So... But naysay doesn't. Sound, it's not like you're gonna kill well, somebody. Well, it was like when I was. It's like uh, you're gonna argue with somebody. No, I was in middle school. I, I use uh, naysayer as like a connotation for like, you know, going against the government and all that stuff. Uh, just like stand up for your rights. Right. Just uh, you know. Revolutionary. Yeah. The so naysay. Uh, the revolution naysayer. will not be televised. <laughs> or will it? Uh, yeah. It'll, It'll be, be tweeted. And <laughs> yeah, okay. We're, we're not far. Facebook and Twitter. We're <laughs> not far off a revolution, though. Do you think? You know that. I just found this out, that 1% of the population of the United States owns 40% of the wealth of the United States. Yes. Yeah. Did you happen to... That was on that uh, video you yeah. showed me. It sure was. You yeah. showing each other videos? That's cute. Yeah, we showed yeah, each other videos. It was... What was it? <laughs> who was that band? Is this uh, Rage Against the Machine? No. Who, who, who? 
That is definitely a band. There is a band called yeah, Rage well, Against the Machine. Of course. I'm saying, was that the video that you said? No, it? no, oh. it was the Rage Against the Machine. Oh. Was some other video that was? Uh, they had that same stuff. Talking about st- yeah. statistics. It is a huge statistic, isn't it? It is. Why wouldn't you think there's going to be a revolution, Constantine? I didn't say that. I said it wouldn't be televised. <laughs> but do you think there is going to be one? It wouldn't. Isn't that the recipe for revolution? When forty percent of the wealth of the country is owned by one percent of it? It's well, not. It's not a good uh, formula for uh, prosperity. I mean, you wouldn't think so. When the no. rest of the people find out that are aware of it, then <laughs> yeah. it's not a good recipe. But, but not a lot of people do. Yeah. But I but think that, uh, I mean, being of Greek origin, you know, the, the places in Europe are much more um, attuned to uh, critical government actions and, and even the, the economic situation. And they, and they, don't, they, they do uh, rebel rather quickly when, when they disagree with, uh, with the government. And, they, and they, in a way, it's a, a bit more democratic because the people really have a, a more of a an active participation, whether it's against or, or, or for something. Whereas here, and in particularly more down south than other parts of the country, it seems like things are more acceptable. They, they move slower. They they don't really uh, get energized enough to, to really protest things that they should be outraged about. You know what's interesting? Um, I, I'm very fortunate that I, I spend a lot of time around a lot of young entrepreneurs in the community, people who are both from here and from out of town who have moved here. And I see this sort of quiet thing kind of happening where there's a shift in perception and an attitude where people are, you know, becoming more interested in small business and, you know, social media as a, as a medium to, you know, businesses instead of traditionally competing against each other are working together. And I think there is a revolution happening. It's just not with riots and that sort of thing. It's It's an American revolution. Definitely. It's not going to be violent. And how how are we going to wrest the... 40% 40% of the wealth away from the 1% of the country with this revolution, though. I don't know. Is is wrestling it away the answer? I think innovation is the answer, really. So you let the 40% of them keep... You let the 1% of them keep the 40% of the wealth, and we'll just have to manufacture an, another 60%. I mean, 99%. You know, this, is, this is the invisible Mitch, but uh, to me, that wealth is just so imaginary anyway. The, the, all of it. You mean it's just a piece of paper and it's just a piece of paper, not back City. anything. And if there is, if it does crash, as the stock market is doing, you know, then you'll be left with what what really is where right. really is the value. Right, right, right. So I we'd be it. we'd be better off. You mean? I think it, so. It could be just the you know beginning of a change of what's you know where. So basically, everyone sitting around this table doesn't have any money then, because I think if you had a whole lot of money, you wouldn't feel that way. That's why we're happy, right? <laughs> <laughs> could be. Well, Constantine, you come from like a big Greek family. Do they have a whole bunch of money back there in Greece still? In Greece, uh, no, that's why they came to America to, to get to make some money, <laughs> get a little bit better at the right. time. But um, no, the uh, if you put your money in the stock market, uh, that was like going to money heaven. I mean, it just uh, went up. I, I don't know why anyone really rationally would put money in the stock market, and I really want to say that. I hope it hits the airways because. <laughs> There's no, there's no uh, real logic to why stock goes up or down. It really has nothing to do with the value of the company, how hard the people working in the company are making it succeed. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with people that got a Ph.D. at, at, at Columbia Mathematics uh, and are hired by you know, one of the hedge fund owners to uh, come up with a magic formula that no one knows and buttons go off. You know, at the end of the day, and trades happen, it have nothing to do with what it was envisioned to do. So uh, why would you have any confidence in that stock system, I think that's what you're seeing right now. People are just just don't know where to put their money in there. They certainly don't want to put it in the market where they have absolutely no idea what's going to happen to it. So how how indicative of the is the market of where we really are then? Well, that again, like I said, I mean the market is 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 partially irrational, and if you try to pin it down and to, to make any sense out of it at all. So, I, but I, does it mean anything when it goes down 500 points and up 500 points? Is it just completely meaningless? Well, some people are making money off of it, you know, but uh, uh, probably the average person is not making money when things like that happen. And that's, that's the real sad thing because um, there's a lot of wealth that's accumulated by these hedge funds, and they, contr- they can control how the market moves uh, and, because they can trade billions and billions of dollars worth of shares. And so, you, you know, you could work all your life and, you know, may have $50,000 to put in a stock, and the next thing you know, it's gone down to $30,000 or $20,000. Or well, that's what's happening. Yeah. I feel yes. like the issue is perception, though, because people that do have money invested or people that are concerned following these things, a lot of the issue is when people see that, you know, the markets are fluctuating a lot or they're crashing, they, they are less confident in spending money. And instead of 
going about business as usual or even just a little bit reduced they're they're you know not spending the money that they should be spending and that's where a lot of the problem is not so much that people are losing money in the stock market but that people's reactions to to that you know what do you do all day or what do i do all day yeah do you just do this backstage on the bio <laughs> you're just I, hanging out i do have a part-time job okay what and, are you doing um i i work in a, in a law office just filing paperwork and whatnot and i'm also an actor and i uh, do a little bit of acting and modeling and what? that kind really? of thing yeah. and, and how do you make a living mostly but you make mostly through the law office and acting mm-hmm. and the backstage on the bio is just Right, More I haven't. Um, I haven't monetized my show yet. Um, well, nor have we. Nor has anybody. I don't think. <laughs> have you guys monetized anything lately over here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just losing money constantly. <laughs> well, uh, I've opened up a hot dog. Yeah, see, that's where they. That's where you've got the idea. Well, hot dogs. People think that it was. Uh, I, I think what Orr was saying actually applied to me in terms of. Uh, I didn't. Sit, we didn't sit down, my partner and I, and think, "Wow, what, what can we do to make a lot of money?" And what? What is every what? What angles do we want to make a lot of money? We sat down, and he knew how to ma- make uh, hot dogs in a special way. And, and I had some creative ideas on, on the names and, and how to present it. But really, our goal was to have fun. And our pledge to each other was, as soon as it's not fun, we're not going to do it anymore. And it just turned out to be something very popular. And, and, and our logo says, put a smile on your face. And, and that's really what we want to do. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it's so lacking these days. I, for 22 years, I was a federal prosecutor. Every time I walked into the courtroom, nobody had a smile on their face. And, uh, you know, that, that even though we might have been successful every time I walked into the courtroom, it still doesn't make you feel better knowing that, you know, somebody committed a terrible crime, people are going to jail, families are destroyed by the whole process. Whereas every time I walk into the hot dog shack, you know, somebody <laughs> has a smile on their face. Right. Before they even see the hot dog, because they think they're going to get a nice hot dog. You know, they, they just like the idea of a hot dog. So I'm sure people would rather have a hot dog than go to jail. <laughs> That's what you're talking about, right? Well, you're uh, serving people a hot dog. You used to send them off to jail, and now you're serving them a hot dog. Well, I think they sent themselves to jail. I was just, uh, you know, facilitating Dispatching the problem. Them. Yeah. Let's get back to hot dogs in jail. I mean, I want to hear some more of that story. First of all, I want to ask you guys about some music and see if you'll play something for us. Sure. Tell okay. us. Tell us about what, how you, this stuff comes together because ha- I mean, we've listened to your stuff. It's really, really brilliant mm-hmm. what you're doing. It's really cool. It's, a, it's hip-hop, st- strictly speaking, mm-hmm. but it's not like aggressive, whacked out, knocking each other. You know. that's, one, that's, one particular, uh, fa- that's one particular facet of hip-hop. Yes, right. well, and, and the negative stigma of hip-hop kind of com- like coats that over. That's what, and that creates a sweeping statement as to what that's all particular hip-hop. But you can, ha- you can be... You can say or address whatever you want to. You can talk about how you got up in the morning and brush your teeth over a beat, and it could be particular hip-hop. I mean, not everybody might listen to it, but it still is. But what we've done is just created an outlet for ourselves, which raises, hopefully raises the consciousness of the listener, whether it be through the instrumentation or through what I say. So you're trying to do something positive for the world. Yeah, we're, provi- we're providing something enriching, and that's, and that's what we plan to do that's what we're going to do enriching spiritually not monetarily no not monetizingly as we say <laughs> no that's not the that's not the primary focus because this is what we actually enjoy knowledge oh. autodidact autodidact i mean that's the that's the name that's of, the name our, of your car no it's the name <laughs> of our upcoming ep the ah. autodidact one who is self-taught one autodidact who is self-educated self-educated it's greek grant it's great yes. yes. okay so are you self-educated uh, I, would like to, I would like to think so, because even though I am a college graduate, I'm, most of the things I learned were on my own. So. Exactly. The majority of things, pretty much from any college student, because there's a particular way to learn when you're in college. You're supposed to, and you're trained particular in this particular field that you choose, and then you go ahead and regurgitate the information when you're done. But when you're there, you, there are resources that you could attain if you're inquisitive, inquisitive enough. And so you take your time to get those questions that you have answered so okay. that's, what, that's what we did so yeah. what question are we answering in the song what are we going to listen to first just listen to it okay what's <laughs> it uh, the AM the AM alright cool it's co- what's it called the AM the AM okay okay yeah yeah can you turn the the headphones up a little bit headphones 
Ladies and gentlemen, cool, cool, cool. You are now tuned to the sounds of the Autodidact. Provided by yours truly, Luke St. John, and the incomparable AF the Naysayers. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. No words can be used for explanation of views carried by the sunrise, born and raised in Baton Rouge. His silent spark confuses yours, fade like morning dew. His energy is never duplicated, nor is it diffused. So step in the sun's shoes, you'll see what his puns prove. A lesson without professing bloody reds or gory blues. He's been through those troubles too, and many he tunneled through. On the way he brewed a stew through, he tunneled the stew grew. Now the stew is here for you via the clues he chooses to use. The notepads is melting pot, his words the spicy foods. Give the sun enough room for schooling the young fools. I and I is on the rise, no lies. To make the news, no lies to make the news, no sir, we making moves. The sunrise is high to tighten the loose screws. The sunrise is high, aligned just like the lube, cause the pyramids advise the skies which way to move. You gotta give me room, my tunes make the moon swoon. So my tunes don't be on iPods and on every zoom. It's impossible to lose when you spit 180 proof. The who's who is you, cause you made your own cool. It's exactly what we do in the south of Baton Rouge. Go dumb or retarded, not from us to choose. We usually improve on whatever we get to use. You say you disagree. But that'll change real soon Like that No catch We coming right back Number one producer In the back Going hard Never ever whack Straight up And for the record It's not perfected These are letters for you to get the message The record is not perfected Letters for you to get the message Now what that was Just a pr- pretty much An exhibition Explaining myself our- Ourselves and why we why we're going to get started? Because I was just taking you through a particular way. I was I was telling my story as if I was the son, and trying to explain that I was about to bestow something upon upon the, the listener. The sun, as in the sun in the sky. Mm-hmm. Sun or the sun? Or the sun as in Jesus? Is this religious? Mm-mm. It's not religious. Not religious stuff. It all det- it all it all depends on how you want to use the word. Because really, no matter. If you want to use God or religion has been misused over, let's say, like at least 3,000, 6,000 years. So Which one? 3,000 or 6,000? I want to say 6,000. 6,000. That's yeah. going back to what year would that be? <laughs> 4,000 B.C. or something? I want to say, but what, like, what was happening no, in 4,000 B.C.? Were let, we me, even, no, let me explain the point, though. Okay. The, the true meaning as far as, like, religion, you break down the word, you get re-legre. So, um, as far as Latin is concerned, re means again, legri means to tie back. To tie back. So, to tie what, back. what exactly were so, you tying back? Yeah, yeah, okay, to go, or, tie- to, or to go back to. Okay, right, so right. you're going back to something again. That's what religion means? The, the literal sense, anyway. Okay. Before you get through all the, um, the misinterpretation or what have you, but it's, it's, it's simple sense. And that pretty much is just your true nature. Before you get to your personality... Or your false self, or what you are we project. talking about? Everybody, or just you? No, anyone, any, any particular All being, of us. any sentient being on this earth that's able to perceive or understand. The true nature is 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 direct, They're directly connected to it. And the problem is, through this day and age, you've been taught through particular dogmas to separate yourself from that particular entity. But that, is, what is a particular entity? Is yourself you're talking about? Your true self, yeah. Your and true it, self. And really, and really, your true nature. Yeah, your true so nature. So what we've all been doing is we've separated ourselves from our true nature somehow. Through conditioning and behavioral patterns in your mind. And so what we, what we would like to provide is something that ushers in a new way of thinking and a new way of living. And how do we get back to ourselves? That's going to happen. Well, but, how? But, but that's, that's just it. Suppose we don't, buy that record. That's just it. We can speculate and theorize all we want to because we've identified ourselves with the mind so much that we would like to just throw questions at it. If we just be, then allow your questions to answer. So what if I have no questions? If we just sit here in silence, it would be nice. (laughs) (laughs) You know, going back to what I was saying earlier, I think this kind of ties in a lot. It ties in a lot. Yeah. That's why I was agreeing with you. Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, there's a lot of that, that, you know, I don't know, being a creative kid coming up you know there's even when you have people that are encouraging you you're conditioned to to conform and conform and conform and you know um there's a lot of things that get suppressed in the process so you have to do this on this timeline you have to fit in with this mold you have to you know if you don't do it it's not legitimate and every time you know if if you have an accomplishment but it doesn't fit within that 
conformist mold, a lot of times, you know, people disregard it or don't, you know, give it the, I guess, the gravitas that it deserves. And, you know. I think we're all in agreement that the, that the optimum idea is to try and be happy, right? But what's happiness? Well, it's, I guess is that something different? For, is that something different for all of us? Well, I, I would. I, I mean, things make you happy, but I, I think if you ask me what, what what it's all about is being creative. You know, I think that if you can be creative in whatever form, that's a pretty high thing to achieve. Happiness, um, you know, might not be everyone's priority. Quite frankly, what do you think? They were I mean, pro- you know, contentment, think? not not necessarily happiness. Yeah. Well, if we had a shared priority, like which. Is what you're saying our true nature? Is that what that's what you're saying, Luke St. John? What am I saying? That we all have a true nature, and that's what we're aspiring to return to, to get back to. Well, let's not intellectualize it so much. Okay. Just yeah. be. <laughs> so, <laughs> but then we don't have a show. We've got another. You know, we've got 25 minutes. But well, that was a Beatles song, wasn't it? Let it be. Yeah, yes. Let, yes. Let it be. Word. You ever, you ever heard that song? No. Nah. You never heard a Beatles song called "Let It Be." Wow. How. <laughs> Thank you, Mitch. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's amazing. You've really never heard that song. Wow. I am surprised about that. Are you guys? It, it does surprise me. But I meet people that have never heard of Fred Astaire, and um, even you, Fats Domino. Okay. I've if you can believe that, Astaire, you've heard of Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire. How do you get into a conversation about Fred Astaire with people, Constantine? Well, <laughs> it, 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 I mean, people that are, you know, in the music uh, business singing, and they may be young, they may be 25, even I've met someone 30 years old, and, and I was saying they should see this film with uh, Fred Astaire, because I like the way he sings in, in, the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the movies, and he gave me this blank stare, like, who, stare, <laughs> um, who's Fred Astaire? <laughs> and so um, I realized that there's a whole world of people out there, I mean, obviously I wasn't around when he was uh, dancing with Ginger, but... Um, you know, I wasn't around when Beethoven was playing either. You know, but you can appreciate it. So I think it, I think it's important to, if you think something is worthwhile, to, to share it with with people that don't know it. You know, that, that's that's really my point. It's not a condescending argument at all, but really, you really should look into this because you you might find something worthwhile here. Yeah, yes. Let me know. Hey, you guys want another drink? What are we getting? Water. <laughs> water? Yeah. Mitch, another one? Constantine, you like a Pim's Cup or a Scotch or something? You know you want a Pim's Cup. Come on. Yeah, why not? I, I lived in London. Okay, Pim's Cup. Or another you want another one? one? Please. A couple Thank of Pim's you. Cups, otherwise we're good. Okay. Are you good with your tea there? Yeah. Do people call you Luke St. John all the time? That's yeah. such a mouthful. Yeah, when I'm in trouble with my LSJ. family. When I'm, when I'm in trouble with my family, we're like, St. John. It's all of you. It's just that <laughs> they just hit it with the St. John. And yeah, because I know I did something. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of trouble in a, in a broader sense, Constantine. You were, you were the U.S. attorney here in New Orleans. Well, let's say I was the assistant U.S. attorney. Many people okay. wanted me to be the U.S. attorney, but it never happened for political what, reasons. What is the U.S. attorney or the assistant U.S. attorney? Well, it's really it's, uh, someone that's um, in the U.S. attorney's office that's a lawyer, is a, is a lawyer for the United States government. The U.S. attorney, uh, the, the, the Department of Justice has an attorney general who's the head. But throughout the country, in, in each state, there are various offices which enforce the laws of the federal government, not the state government. And, okay. and that's done by the uh, U.S. attorney in that particular district uh, of where people live. So Louisiana has three districts. Some states may only have two districts or one district. Or, and so uh, our district uh, is New Orleans and, and about eight or nine other parishes uh, in, in the area, and it's called the Eastern District of Louisiana. And I was just an assistant in that office for a long time. And what is it? What do you do on a daily basis? Then you represent the federal government, so you're prosecuting. You're, as you just said, you're a federal prosecutor. Well, so you know, it, when you're when you're a federal prosecutor, you 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 work very closely. Um, if you're doing as a prosecutor, you're doing the criminal cases. Remember, the U.S. government also has lawyers that defend the U.S. government or assert rights of the U.S. government in civil cases. But can everyone, you sue the U.S. government for something? Uh, only well. if they let you. <laughs> yeah. But but you know that goes back to the ancient uh, rule of the king. Uh, only allowed uh, the English people to sue him. The sovereign only allowed to be sued if he gave you permission to sue him. So you can sue the federal government if they allow you to sue them, and, would, and they have thousands of laws which allow you to do that. Okay, but you, were you defending the United States government, I, or were you I, mostly prosecuting on behalf of the Most United States? of the time I prosecuted, but I did do some defending. And what sort of crimes are we, uh, federal crimes? Like, is it? Well, um, it, 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 there was a full range of crimes. I mean, there, there were drug 
uh, crimes, you know, um, which were both state and federal cases. But usually you'd like to have something that affected interstate commerce in theory, and that's how you get the federal jurisdiction. But I actually, I mean, I, uh, civil rights is a, is a federal case because it's, it's constitutional. You're prosecuting right. people who, who took away people's civil rights in yeah. this case. And is this a good gig to pick up chicks with? <laughs> I, I used to tell people never tell anyone when I walk into a party what I do. You can say I'm a lawyer, but don't say I'm a prosecutor. Really, and people don't like it. Doesn't it's not sexy, federal prosecutor? Well, and the, and their per, cool their, to me. Their personal habits changed dramatically when I walked into the room. <laughs> oh, because they think they're gonna, you're going to get busted, right? They're like you're like a narc or something. Right. Or, you have a lot of friends that do drugs or something. Um, I, I wouldn't know. They they never did it around me. <laughs> do you really think that's true that people adjusted their behavior because you're a federal agent? I, I well, I wasn't an agent. I was well, a, that's right. I mean, and when I say well, fed, I mean no, agent of the federal government. In the there's world. no doubt about it. I mean, I I I, I was overseas once um, as, a, as a government uh, I had an assignment overseas in, in England and I would go to people's homes that were very much like the people that you'd meet here uh, and they were lawyers and they, they, they had very good jobs on but I, I was always amazed how much marijuana I saw them smoking and I thought this is you know this I don't I never see this back home they really must smoke a lot of marijuana in, in England but it's because they really didn't care who I was right. when I walked you into the no room co- but it, it, it's obvious from the amount of drugs that they seize every year and they prosecute, that it, it's, it's everywhere. Would you have busted your own friends if you saw them smoking weed? Well, uh, fortunately... But you you're not just, a policeman. You're just no. a prosecutor. Yeah. So they have to bring you a case. So well, people are just freaking out for no reason, these That's true. Paranoid they, that's because they were smoking marijuana, probably. <laughs> <laughs> hey, talking, talking of marijuana, you guys okay? What's happening? I empty glass. You want the glasses back? Okay. But, okay, but, thank you. But there yes. were, the, you know, the, the federal, to answer your question, though, I mean, on a more serious note, uh, the, um, uh, the federal government has vast resources, unlike uh, the local governments here, the DA's office. And so uh, it's easier to look like the good guy because you really can do a lot. Uh, you have more time to prepare a case. Uh, you know, we, we do a lot of investigations with the, with the um, actual law enforcement agents like the FBI or the DEA, or, or um, you know, customs agents, and so if you you can have time to set up and uh, and do a sting. They, they, the government did a sting years ago when I back in 1994 of New Orleans Police Department. It didn't seem like things have changed, but um, that's when they busted the guy selling cocaine out of the garage. Well, no, actually, uh, or killing each a, other. Killing what happened was the, the FBI decided that they were going to um, um, set up a, an organization that was a marijuana organization and, and introduce themselves to police officers and ask them for protection. And so for a year, they uh, pretended that they were uh, big drug dealers, and, and all these policemen would come around and protect uh, shipments of marijuana that were going in and out of warehouses. For real? Yeah. And uh, What was the kickback for the cops? Did they get pot or did they get No, they paid? got paid. They got paid to protect. Were you part of that whole thing? No, actually, um, th- that was a, a, another group in the office, but I got involved after because uh, during this entire investigation, uh, one of the cops was suspected of murdering uh, a woman who had filed a complaint against him. Well, she was eventually, he was eventually found guilty of this guy, right? He, he was, and, and actually he's sitting on death row today. Um, I'm not proud to say that, did but you I, mean, send I don't lose any sleep did, knowing did that. Did you send him to death row, this guy? Did yes, you prosecute that case? I did. Do you have a message for him if he's listening? I hope he's enjoying himself now. I hope he's enjoying the show. Yeah. How long has he got to live? Um, well, these things are endless. There were two people convicted, uh, and, and they, they, the court system tied it up um, forever. And w- one person, one of the two people, the actual assassin that he called up that was a drug dealer uh, to kill the person, uh, I think uh, has just recently, uh, these people, by the way, were prosecuted in 1996 in court, and uh, I think one of them uh, is going to be, uh, he won't receive the death penalty because now they're determining that he wasn't really as smart as he, he thought he was. But the police officers smart to be killed in by the U.S. government. I mean, it's it's unfortunate that anyone has to be killed. Really, I mean, well, that's a whole other subject, of course, with the death penalty. Yeah, and its merits and demerits. But let's talk about theater for a minute. Yeah. But just before much more interesting. Let's come back and talk about theater. Mitch Foreman's going to play a song for us in the meantime. Mitch, what's it going to be? Uh, You know, I'm thinking of an old song of mine, and it is called Milton. Milton is a beautiful song. I'd love to hear that. Here it comes. It's not Milton Berle, by the way. 
I was thinking of the poet, but it's okay. No, no, it's not that either. This is named after Milton Nascimento. There you go, correct. Here it comes. That's what you call playing piano. Two lessons. Very nice. No, four lessons. Four lessons. Four lessons. Not bad after just your fourth lesson. Did you get that off a DVD, like how to play piano like yeah, Os- Oscar did. Peterson? I did, yes. <laughs> very, very nice. When did you write that song? A long time ago? Back when the guy was going to jail, I think, Constantine Mitch wrote this. Well, Probably. In the, in the um, 90s? About the same day? No. It, be fun? No. Uh, um, we're 80. Way back in the 80s. Wow. Yep. So you, just, you were like three, like Mozart, when you wrote that. Uh, well. Sort of. What what album is that on? In case anyone uh, listening to this would that like to go by a Mitch Foreman. That is on uh, Train of Thought, and it is also on Perspectives. Very nice. Hey, Mitch, but thank you so much. Yes, you're going to say something. Oh, I, I just wanted to. Uh, maybe we're changing the subject. But I wanted to get back to uh, Luke St. John and and let it be because um, what's what's really fascinating is, and it's actually refreshing, is that he never he never heard of of the song, and yet he came up with it on his own, which which really should be encouraging to people uh, to see that every generation has got people that are thinking like this. And then the hope really for the future is, is that people really start to understand what, what Luke St. John uh, and John Lennon. thinking. And, Luke and St. John, John Lennon. Lennon. There you go. <laughs> you could call yourself. <laughs> we never thought about that. <laughs> That's true. Hey, listen, I wanted to ask you about the theater. All right. Or a fedora. Yeah. New Orleans is not a city that people associate with the theater very much. We've Which is unfortunate because there are some very talented theater actors and, you know, there's some, you know, a long history of, of theater companies in, in New Orleans. How long a history is it? Oh, boy. <laughs> you put me on the spot. Well, you um, can make it well, up. Well, Le, no Le Petit's supposed to be the, uh, the oldest theater and, and it the is running no, theater. It is no the, more. Well, Liberty, you mean you I'm not, be serving I Creole, um, Creole, Creole gumbo, gumbo. And, and <laughs> probably some terrible dinner theater, yeah. But hang on, wait up for, hang no. on, so I see there's a lot of animosity here towards no, Liberty. Well, no, not at all. Well, the, the situation, I, oh God, I wasn't prepared to talk about this particular issue. I have been avoiding this it. This is on, like 60 minutes I've been now, avoiding so it on, on my spot. own show. I have avoided it on my blog. I've just been like, I'm like, 
you know, if you want to follow the news, follow these people. They'll, they'll well, here's, let's just, it. in case it's anyone listening doesn't know what's going on, Le Petit is, the, is it the oldest theater in America or the oldest theater in New Orleans? It's the oldest, um, from what I understand, and someone correct me on the internet later if I'm wrong, which I know you will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the oldest continually running community theater in the United States. In the United States? Right. Up until a couple of weeks ago when apparently it ran out of money. Right. And so they decided to, to save money, to save the theater. They would sell yeah. half of it to, is it Dickie Brennan? Oh, the, to, to the, some Brennan, To turn yeah. it into a restaurant. Half of it would remain as a theater. The actual right. theater would remain exactly as it is. Right. And then Mr. Brennan would buy the other half and turn the other half into a restaurant. Right. Which sounds like a sort of Solomonic yeah. solution. What's yeah. wrong with that? What, what's, well, what's the other side uh, of that? Well, that's a very simplified version of what's gone on. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the... Um, the, uh, the the situation with the finances there has been off and on for a number of years, from what I understand. Well, theater must be difficult. That was my point. It's, you don't well, regard this as a theater And again, city. I'm very nervous about commenting on, on any of it. Because well, we won't make you say anything out of school here that's going to get you in trouble. But right. what's the other side of the story? That you don't want to sell off half the theater to a restaurant? No, to there's, actually, restaurant, there's actually two stages in, in the actual physical theater space. There's the, the original theater. Two stages... Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the original actual stage. Yeah, two two, two separate theater stages. stages. Okay. There's the original theater space, and right. then there's also a smaller space um, that was originally called the Children's Corner, and they did children's theater there. And um, then a few years ago, it was turned into Muriel's Cabaret Theater, and they did you know smaller independent type productions there, which a lot of it, it, it allowed a lot of the smaller um, theater companies to put on show in uh, shows in the the famous space while, you know, maintaining that. And they, they could simultaneously have two shows going on at the same time. Okay, how'd they run out of money exactly here? I am not the person to ask about that. Well, I can, t- I can tell you what I've read. How okay. about that? Yeah. yeah. I can spread too, more but hearsay? I feel more comfortable <laughs> you're a lawyer, so, you know. That's true. Don't say anything. He's a hot dog guy. I still have my, lo- my lo- license. Do you still keep it up? I might not be after this program. Yes, I do. Okay. Well, I teach at Tulane Law School as well, but that's another story. I say you're a hot dog guy and a law professor. And I sell olive oil, too. But oh, we haven't even got onto the olive oil. Okay, but you know something about Le Petit Theatre? No, well? Just from what I read, uh, they, 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 I think they had a, a, a note of about $700,000, and um, they, they were constantly having trouble raising the money to, to, to make ends meet. And, you know, let's give uh, due credit to um, Dickie Brennan's going to put in $3 million just to be just to have part of it and not to mention what he's going to have to put in to actually make a restaurant out of it. So he, he's risking a lot. Now, I'll, I'll say this. I lived in London twice where I think is the greatest theater experience you can, you can, you can have mm-hmm. for, for reasonable prices, unlike New York, uh, in the English-speaking world. And uh, they're tremendously, uh, not only is it a rich city, London, so they have lots of people with really a lot of money they can give, but also the government gives a lot of money. And we just don't have that advantage down in New Orleans. So um, you have to think about that. Having said that, they're one of the best performances I've ever seen, and that includes London Theater, uh, New York, anywhere, was at Tulane Campus uh, when they did uh, The Taming of the Shrew. It was a spectacular performance. Were you smoking pot at that? No, I certainly was not. I don't okay. smoke, period. But, um, uh, but it was... Uh, you know, very low budget, as you can imagine, but the creative aspect of the acting and the directing was so spectacular. Uh, and, 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 you know, and, you know, Shakespeare is not always the easiest to watch for a lot of people, but and the audiences were packed. They did it so well, and it was set, I remember, in the 1950s New Orleans era. So you'd hear Louis Prima in the background right. from time to time. That's but anyway, cool. that's what, so, that, that okay, kind of so, theater exists in New Orleans, and, and, and it can thrive in, in so, New Orleans. Or you, so you're covering this on backstage on the bio. This is, what, this is your beat. It's one of the things that I do cover. I actually interview. I interview musicians. I interview you know, theater producers and actors. I interview film people, comedians. So I backstage is a sort of a broad term. All-encompassing, yeah. Um, I tend to focus on New Orleans, but I'll also include you know, Louisiana. I'll include you know, artists sometimes that come into town that have things going on that are related to, you know, there's some sort of local tie-in somehow. But this is because people aren't that interested in theater, right? Um, that's part of it. Um, well, that actually, was what I was thinking. It's not really what, a... Th- what, well, listen, when you go they, to New York, <laughs> when you go to New York, someone wanted me to go to New York and watch The War Horse, which was in London, and the cheapest tickets were $200 for a person. 
Well, who who really can afford to do that? Hold that, that thought. We don't have that problem here. We don't have that problem, but that's where they get the money to, to put on the performances. Well, if we were here. charging, to, because well, theater is expensive. It, it, it can be. It doesn't have to be. If you're creative and, and a good, astute, <laughs> right, right. an astute business person and, and, and very creative in, in how you, you know, put things together. But um, the reason why I got started doing what I was doing, I had a background in theater. Um, and then I had moved on to film. And I had done a little bit of work in television, too. And um, I was working part-time at a radio station. That covers it. Film, theater, television, and radio. Exactly. There's no way to go except the internet. <laughs> right. <laughs> but... Um, what I did was, I, you know, we were allowed to have a show on an off hour in the weekend to kind of learn the ropes a little bit. And I started off as it being a forum for, you know, um, people in the arts community to discuss, you know, relevant topics. Like there was a lot of issue with, you know, SAG stuff at the time and, and you know, union things. And um, the whole, you know, Hollywood South thing was coming up at the time. And, um, but one thing I've always loved and I felt was missing from coverage on a local level was whenever you see um, or hear, you know, stories on, on theater and film and music on a national level, there are these behind-the-scenes stories. People talk about why they chose the projects that they chose, what happened in the process, you know, the creative process, and, you know, why they like what they're doing. And on a small scale, that doesn't really exist. Hmm. And so I wanted to bring that to audiences. I wanted to bring people, get them interested. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you'll see an interview, say, on, a, on one of those entertainment talk shows, and someone will talk about, you know, why they, why they agreed to do this role in this movie. And, and there wasn't anything like that on a local level. And um, I felt like these people had interesting stories to tell, that even if you weren't necessarily a, a theater person or you didn't like hip-hop or, you know, I, I figured it was a way to bridge those gaps and tell, have, give these people an opportunity to tell their and story. And it's true. If you listen to your shows, you, you, hear, you hear people talking about the, the incredible amount of work that goes into the stuff. There's people struggling and, and taking it really seriously. Yeah. Theater. And I must say, the stuff that I've been to see here in New Orleans <laughs> Theater, it's great. Just like you were saying, Constantine, there's some really great theater here. There is. What about this fly that keeps flying around? Have you noticed that? <laughs> no, it's on your hat. It is. It no. likes my Pim's <clears throat> cup, I guess. What's up with the fedora? All right. Well, um, my real name is Aura, which, by the way, everybody at this table has fabulous names today. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> Naturally. I, 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 I thought you were going to say we have all fabulous all auras. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that, too. That's that, true. that too. Everybody's got great names. I love it. Um, you're called Aura, not Aura Fedora. Right. Aura is my, my, my so real you name. You put the fedora on. No pun intended. When I, was, uh, when I was a kid, maybe for about a year or two, you know how your, your grandparents will kind of, you know, they'll come up with little pet names for you. And there was something on Stumpy. TV. Yeah, might have been like Frank Sinatra or something was on TV, and my grandfather he had his fedora on, and he was all like, "Oh, Aura Fedora," and then he kept calling me Aura ah, Fedora, and see. it was a joke for about you know maybe a year and a half, two years, and then we forgot all about it. Maybe second or third episode of my radio show, one of the regular listeners to that station called in, and he's like, "I'm enjoying what you're doing, but how come you you know you haven't come up with a radio name for anyone yet?" So as a joke. Every time we came back from break, we would come up with a fake radio name. And one of the times that I came back from break, I did the Aura Fedora thing, and everybody loved it. <laughs> and, and it, it stuck. stuck. And then there I had to go. start buying hats. So. <laughs> <laughs> How many hats have you got? How many fedoras do you own? I only own about five, but I've got my eye on a few of them right now. Um, I have a, a friend of mine who's in marketing, um, and she is currently working on helping me find a hat endorsement right now. Brilliant yes. idea. This, we need friends like that exactly. to help us do that. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, you guys, uh, the, the name of the band is, is AF, the naysayer, and Luke St. John, right? Yes, that's correct. So it's, that's, that's your names. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, just, it's like Simon and Garfunkel. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> naysayer sort of. keeps saying yes. I don't get yeah. it. <laughs> what? <laughs> say no. I'll say no. No, the naysayer. No. Thank you, Kai. That's my attorney over there. <laughs> exactly. So um, it's, a, it's an interesting name, A.F. the Naysayer and Luke St. John, because it's an arresting name, isn't it, guys? Don't you think? I mean, from, a, from a marketing angle, it's a great name. And some of those photos, those publicity photos you have mm. with, the, with the electrical tape and oh, your yeah, eyes yeah, are all uh, scratched out. Who that's did? Uh, courtesy of Casey Smith. Casey Smith is well, a great... Well, actually uh, Casey O'Neill because she's got married. So. She still lives in Lake Charles? Yes, she yes. lives in Lake Charles. Lake Charles. So how did you meet Casey? Uh, through school. Yeah. So yeah, education does have some benefit, even though you're autodidact. Well, 
you know, I realized I'm at a university and there's uh, supposed to be a lot of talented people at these universities. So I tried to, you know, instead of going out and hiring people outside the university, you know, I was looking around campus, see what talent they have around, you know, instead of going, keep it local. So right there on. we go. And, that's, and so she's taken these great photos of you where you've got masks, like electrical tape over your eyes and... Yeah, that's your face a, is all scratched up. It's she great. actually won state um, for like some uh, jewelry for uh, her photos, and that's her style. Like, so I was like, you know what? I want you to take these pictures. I just want you to do what you do. Okay. So. I want you to do what you do. <laughs> Let's hear another song from uh, from you guys. What's sure. so? Here's the deal. So we play the track, and then you and you rap over it. Exactly. Okay. So what do you? So Amal, what do you, what's your part on this? I'm, I make all the music. Do you do? You put all the track together. I put all the tracks together, and we perform live. I perform it live through a SP four port. It's a drum machine. So right. That's so cool. And sometimes we have like a bass player and a drum. Actually, right. Almost all the time all we have, time. which is Taylor Lee on bass, and uh, we have Logan Lee's. He plays drums. So. Okay. Yeah. So, and you guys live in in Baton Rouge, or you live here? He lives in Baton Rouge mm-hmm. right now. I'm on my way trying to move to New Orleans. I'm trying okay. to move to Mid City. From where? Uh, Lake Charles. Oh wow! So you're from Lake Charles. So you guys met in school then? No. No. Oh, I, uh, thank goodness, I'm, finally. You want to talk, talk about that? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Uh, I'm originally from Baton Rouge, born and raised. I go to Southern University. That's in Baton Rouge. Southern. But uh, his close friend, he pretty much got me into the art form of writing. Well, I always wrote, but I never rapped. So, like, I met him because he went to, uh, my friend Jay, mutual friend, um, he went to Baton Rouge. And then turns out that he was with a rap group with uh, a mall called Shuggy Watts. <laughs> and so when I started picking up my particular pen and making music as far as hip-hop is concerned, they, had, they were booking shows and performing. So when I, when I had my particular work done, I could open up for them. And that's exactly what happened. Uh-huh. So when I opened up for Shuggy Watts, I met a mall. He, he heard my music, and so we kind of connected like that. So you poached a mile out of Shuggy Watson now. Oh, no. I, actually, <laughs> I actually uh, approached him, yeah. and that's how I went from there. But uh, Shuggy Watts had to stop because James Dorisso, the rapper, he ended up getting his he's, – he's on uh, – he's trying to get his doctor right he's now. He's in Tennessee so, right now. He's oh, in Tennessee, wow. He's got Tennessee. out of the whole business, yeah, and he's yeah, getting yeah. a Ph.D. in something. Yeah. What in? Um, psychology? Neuropsych. Uh, Neuropsychology. Neuro- See, yeah. that's a good idea. Fantastic. That's what Constantine thought. He had a whole career planned out for himself there with his law degree. Yeah, the, the neuro part was more interesting. <laughs> <I think. laughs> if you were a neuro-legal <laughs> prosecutor, you might have got... You Neurons. might still be happy. So what song... So what happens... How does it work first? you come up with the, the track first, and then, uh, and then Luke, St. John, you've come up with the words to go over it, or do you do it the other way around? It, it, it depends sometimes. It's yeah. like... Uh, you know, uh, at first I would make the music, and then he'll come over, and then you know he'll write some lyrics down, or sometimes like I'll hear him do some stuff, and then I'll make music to that. So it, it, it varies. Yeah, it varies. Okay, so which which way did this particular song we're going to hear now go? Oh, emeralds. Yeah. That start? emeralds. I wrote uh, the emeralds. He wrote the emeralds. I remember you were actually while I was attending class. Yeah. <laughs> you, you wrote, I wrote, so like so like I was uh. He was still in school, and for some reason, I was just at his university. I, f- I don't remember why. You went we and rolled there. We were recording. No, no, I wasn't. No, I was just, just there. Hanging out. I came there. I slept in his dorm or whatever. We we went through beats. We recorded, and I used to w- follow him in his classes or whatever. Nobody asked questions. I was just that random guy <laughs> in the middle of semester. I was just there. So, I wrote lyrics while he was like, uh, "What was the Listen to the lecture. It was like coach geography. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's how that that's how this happened because I, I had the instrumental on the MP3. While During we're walking the class. around, we had walk around campus, so that's how that. So you wrote this in class, in the geography class. Yes. yes. And and, and, and economics. It was close geography and economics. And and it's called emeralds. Yes. So it's got a sort of a green, <laughs> yeah. sort of a geographical, geographical sort of a vibe. It has that out. feel. It has that feel. It's, it's light too, and easy going too. Okay, yeah. let's hear it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
numbers driving through my head with the square root to problems. No sign of a cheek sheet. I repeat these columns. Saturn's traveling pattern got you confused and hollering. The shepherd, but that leopard gaze is getting kind of bothered. I let the sheep graze at all times remain sovereign. That's the main object. Sits within my palm's grip. All breaks down and surrounds pure logic. Found homegrown. Would have known if you lost it. Turn off that iPhone and just zone on some hot shit. Outlets the sockets addressing every topic. Listen to the tape, but at the same time, watch it. Can only get the tape if the merch is in your pocket. Listen, cause these lyrics are more than just some hot shit. Open up your optics, addressing every topic. I roll my dice again, knowing it's more than just luck. You feel my feelings touch? Cause life is fantastic, it's easy, it's hard Unexpected sparks, and on and on and on When the final bell rings, it's when the real life starts You got everything you need, you can feel it in your heart That drum skips a beat and your feet are feeling lost What you do is phone home to be shown those hidden parts Even in the dark, I brighten the whole show Got my crowd reading John chapter 10:34. Much, much more than traditional folklore It's exactly what it is, take the time to explore I should build a house without a ceiling or a floor The view would be gorgeous enough to know Source. And with that being said, I'm on my way to the store Buying every brick and nail so I can build my own course Of course, plenty diamonds in the rough I can show them the sun, but only they can look up So, that was Emeralds That's great word, word. Yeah. There's, something, uh, there's something going on here Something's going on. Something's There's supposed something to be going, going on. on. Something's supposed what, to. What is, I feel like rapping myself. Yeah, what, come on, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm inspired here. I'm thinking like, uh, no fooling. <laughs> Never let your schooling <laughs> interfere with your education. How about that? Come on. There you go. There it is, right? There it is. There's something. It's interesting to sit here and watch you do that because it's um, something sort of comes over bo- both of you actually. There's sort of like I hate to say this because it's it's we're getting back to religion again, but it seems like an elevated. Did you feel that, you guys, like a sort of a, a, a happiness? Know. That's what usually happens. Come to a show and see what happens. People oh, yeah. catch the Holy Ghost. Really? really? No, no, don't, 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 don't use that term, but it's just like they, they just have a particular feeling. You don't, you don't want to... Not testifying, no. Yeah, no testifying. I'm just <laughs> so enjoying themselves. Is it just you're a charismatic person? No. Or I mean, you have something I mean, going on? I mean, whatever yeah. personality, you, whatever you want to call it, it's, it's there. And I'm just fortunate enough to be able to use it, me and them all, and whoever, whoever else wants to tap into it, because it's there. So... That's all, I, that's all I have to say about it. I had an acting teacher. She used to refer to it as going home. And exactly. It's the same thing as meditation center. is concerned. Yeah. You're going home. Yeah. You're there. Plus, they're spreading the good vibes. That's why we were all feeling it, you know? It really is good. It really is good. Exactly. So this is completely the opposite of what we normally, you know, people have got used to hearing <laughs> about this whole hip-hop scene, which is sort of negative. And yeah, very detrimental to, like, yeah. to the ear and the psyche. Is hip hop a way of life to you guys, or just a yes. style of music? I mean, it's it's more than just mu- it's more than just music, and it's it's actually a culture. How you get up in the morning, how you wash your car, how you wash your dishes is hip hop. You have elements in hip hop, and rap is just one one element of it. So one facet. But Amal can speak to it too. But so, but that's how I feel about it. Yeah. yeah? Okay, Amal, what's your take on it? Is hip hop as a way of life? I mean, it can be. I mean, for me. Um, you know, just like you said, it's uh, elements. You know, you have, uh, it comes from you know break dancing, comes from uh, graffiti writing. You DJing, know, it comes from DJing, MCing, MCing. I guess yeah. you say production. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but it, you can call it what you want. You can tap in a universal rhythm, which everybody taps into, and people call it hip hop. I mean, people call that different things, no matter where you go, depending on what kind of condition that you were brought into when you were a child. So people just call that rhythm hip hop. Do you have any sort of other parts of your life that are sort of um, like are, are you are you vegetarian? Yes. Yes. And how did you arrive at that? Or that 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 got into the whole autodidact thing as far as researching quality foods and uh, what it can do to your body. And certain means just tear my body up over long periods of time. It'll tear anybody's bodies up. But if you listen to your body, it's telling you. So that's why I kind of gradually got off of it. And then. That's it. That's it. It's, it's more nourishing foods when you get when you get like more have a alkaline body. I just what? read where Bill Clinton became a vegan. Word? Really? Oh, really? Mr. Big Mac, huh? Yeah. Mr. I remember Mac. those days. I've seen him at Cafe Du Monde go down with twelve beignets. You I see, bet you saw Bill Clinton eat twelve beignets <laughs> and, at Cafe Du Monde. And actually, my, my sources in the Secret Service <laughs> I can now reveal yes. told me that he was in New Orleans the night before he had his heart attack. I bet e- eating late at night. Wow. That would, that would another, make sense. another claim to fame for New Orleans. <laughs> wow. Now, what do you feel about vegetarianism then as a hot dog salesman? 
Do you have a hot dog? We have, we have a vegan, we have not a vegan, a veggie dog, which comes from oxymoron. Uh, you know, <laughs> but, but there's a significant amount of people out there that are vegetarians, right. and they're very vocal. They're not all united, however. Some want the dog, to look, uh, the veggie to look like a dog. Someone a patty. You never know. So, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to, we're evolving in, in our process. Where is the shop? Uh, on Ferret, 5031 Ferret. Is that nearby? Yeah. It's yeah. Nearby. It's very close drive. by. You want to yeah. go tra- check one out? We yeah, should, we right. should go we after we support. leave here. Yeah. yeah. So how does well, support our, local? Our neighbors um, have a, a surfboard shop. And, the uh, surfboard shop in New Orleans. Okay, now I've heard almost They're everything. great. Well, it's, it's no. well, skateboards. Okay, skateboards. That, that makes more sense. Yeah, and they're and they're all vegetarians. And they used to come when we first opened, and, and they used to bring their own dogs, and we charge them a nominal fee, not a corkage fee. Up. I don't know what we call it. <laughs> a bun Wait, fee. A bun fee. <laughs> right. Something like that. And and and, and uh, the, you know, finally we decided, hey, we, we should make more money on this. So no, I'm just joking. But we we did find we find our own, um, uh, you know, dog. It's really actually a patty. Um, and um, so, what is the deal? Like what is the deal with the hot dog center? It's like it's mm-hmm. gourmet hot dogs. It's called Dat Dog, right? Yes. And it's gourmet hot dogs. Yeah. The, well, or is that yeah, not? gourmet. I mean, whatever that means. It's it's uh, they're all properly encased meat, so they're not the skinless dog you usually find in a ballpark. Um, it's uh, in fact uh, there, there's a big lawsuit going on now between two hot dog titans on Kraft Foods that has Oscar Mayer and something up in Chicago because e- both of them are claiming the other lied about. Who has the best hot dog in the nation? I feel like filing a loss, intervening suit to, to, to step in and say, I, I think we're, we're over here. We're over here. Yeah, but, really. But actually, uh, we have about nine or ten different uh, dogs. They're not, none of them are what are really hot dogs. We call it that because that's what people understand. But they're, they're either frankfurters, uh, beef and, and pork uh, wieners uh, that, that could come from Germany, uh, or they're sausages. We have a Polish sausage, uh, a kielbasa. We have a Slovenian sausage. We have a Louisiana hot, smoked, crawfish, alligator, um, uh, things like that. So um, I'm getting hungry here. Well, and goes, and, go and, down and get a dog. And, and, and it's important. And we, we put all the condiments on. I mean, we don't let you do it. I mean, you, obviously, if you want more, you can do it yourself. But we, we do it all because we think it's important. Do, just you, the do you work at the hot dog stand yourself? I have, I have been seen. Sweeping the floors, filling up ketchup jars. But are you are you making the dogs? Though? Are you the guy behind? No, I don't, the, you're not I making them. No, we have. You're not a white apron. And a, we have we have elves that do that in <laughs> okay. far off uh, place. <laughs> However, no, I don't mean making the actual dogs. I mean oh, I mean preparing preparing them. them. Yeah, the, I used to, uh, I, I cut I would I would do the buns and and you know anything that needed to be done to begin with. I was yeah. Fortunately, I convinced my partner to hire more people. And so we, we, we have uh, an amazingly great staff of, of people. So this is working out. This is a, like a whole new second life for you as a hot dog man. After, we didn't even get to the olive oil. We'll have to have you back on another well, show and talk about your olive oil I'm in the middle of finishing a novel, and this has really gotten in the way of it, you know, I have to say. Yeah, finishing three a novel. More, you, three you, more re- chapters to go. Are you reading it or writing it? I'm writing it, You're actually. writing a novel. No, yeah. maybe we'll it's, a, it's actually, I thought it was going to be a novel, and someone told me, Usually need eighty thousand words to be a novel, and I'm only at twenty-seven thousand, and only have three chapters to go. So it's probably a novella. Well, that's okay because <laughs> you can write it in four different parts. This is part one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, What's it called? Well, I, I'd rather not say right now. <laughs> okay. But it, it's 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 got it's. I like the title, but I better not say just yet. So it's a novel Anything. based on your experiences, no doubt, um, and your um, previous life. It's as a a, actually very imaginative. Um, I mean, I take parts. Uh, uh, everything is is based on on real things that have happened. Or could happen, not not actually happen, but it deals with New Orleans after the hurricane. One more of those, but it deals with um, you know Mexican that comes here after the hurricane and decides he wants to help. And he uh, he's works, the main character. Is he's Mexican one of the guy? main characters, and that's he, cool. And he, and he helps rebuild the Greek church. So I don't think anyone's writing about the Greek no, church. No, I think I think you're on your own with the yeah, Mexican right. coming to New Orleans yeah. to build a Greek church. That's yeah. pretty cool. So. Well, congratulations. That's a pretty big Thank deal you. to sit down and and. Uh, I need to finish it. Right, and you gotta, <laughs> you're so it's, close, it's though. Dogs, You'll finish you know? it. The hot dogs are getting in your way. Well, Constantine, thank you for coming by today for a happy hour. It's been a great hour. It's whizzed by. Aura, Fedora, Shannon, thank you for joining us as as well. Thank you. From Backstage on the Bayou. And AF and ASAP. And Luke St. John from the band of the same name. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. We have links to all your info on our website. It's neworleans.com. 
So we'll send a few people your way as well. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Collins Hotel for Happy Hour. Our producers are Melinda Hawes and Trish Kaufman. Our executive producer is Tanya Castellanos. Mitch Cryer is our technical director and Christian Unruh is our music director. Our web designer and our link to the real world out there is Cliff Brigden. Our theme song was written and is being played right now by the fabulous Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show and you can sort of sit upright for about an hour and uh, talk coherently, give us a call or drop us a line at itsneworleans at gmail.com. Our show is recorded live at the Collins Hotel on St. Charles Avenue in New Orleans. If you'd like to come to the Collins Hotel, it's a great place to stay. If you're already here in New Orleans, come down and join us for a drink sometime. You can check out our other shows on itsneworleans.com, including many more happy hours for you to listen to. Psych Ward and our business show, Out to Lunch, with Peter Rusciutti and Kathy Finn, which comes to you live from the beautiful Commander's Palace. You can keep up with us by liking our Facebook page called It's New Orleans Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. Until next time we meet on Happy Hour at the Commons Hotel, I'm Grant Morris.